This episode of Nocturne is brought to you with support from P.F. Candleco, based in Los Angeles. Stay tuned till the end for a special offer for Nocturne listeners. Screams and panic tonight on Barcelona's most famous pedestrian street. On the scene in Florida where another community is in disbelief, shocked by devastating violence, this time at that Florida high school on Valentine's Day. There are reports from New Orleans of uh, people trapped in buildings that have come down around them. They have made desperate calls to 911 asking for help, asking for rescue. It's still unfolding in Japan, where tonight nuclear officials there are warning of a possible nuclear reactor meltdown. A disaster of unknown proportions. When famine hits, the smallest suffer. In a hospital ward in the capital city, children are severely malnourished. In the entirety of this incident here in Charlottesville, more than three dozen people injured. This has been a day of heated racist rhetoric and There violence. are dozens and dozens of homes destroyed. We are literally surrounded by fire. 15,000 scientists are sounding an alarm about climate change. They call it a warning to humanity. that are still in active fire. 25 years after to racism. Scientists issued a similar warning, so now it's tenfold. Take a breath, a big, long breath. It's something I forget to do. There has never been a world without tragedy and heartache and injustice, but there has also never before been a time when human beings have had constant access to the full range of human suffering. Our technology bathes us in this information, and it can be a challenge to not dissolve into a mass of emotion or to just go numb. Julia Scott found herself facing this dilemma and intuitively creating a ritual for herself, the seeds of which were planted decades earlier. She wrote an essay about it, which was published in the New York Times. It's called Candle Hour. One of my best teenage memories starts with a natural disaster. In January 1998, my parents and I returned to our home in Montreal to find that a giant tree limb had ruptured our living room. What would soon be known as the Great Quebec Ice Storm had struck. It was the most catastrophic in modern Canadian history. Accumulations of freezing rain had cracked our maple trees nearly in half. It shattered our front window, glass fringing the tree limb like a body outline in a murder scene. Outside, down power lines sparked like electric snakes. More than a million Quebecers were left without power. Cars were crushed and impaled by fallen limbs. Because the ice could inflict violence at any moment, everyone retreated indoors, making for an oddly quiet state of emergency. Except for the distant beeps of electrical crew trucks, all you could hear was the crack of trees buckling under the weight of the ice day and night. 
long after the sidewalks were cleared, we tiptoed past the eaves of tall buildings and kept our voices low, steering clear of icicles thick as baseball bats and sharp as spikes, primed to fall at any moment. For seven days and seven nights, until the power returned, we lived by candlelight. We learned to be mindful of candles, how to stand them up, walk with them, nurture their light. At first it was maddening to cook dinner, to carefully carry a plate of candles to the cupboard, poke around for ingredients, then go off again in search of a knife, taking care not to drip wax into the cutlery drawer. I learned how to brush my teeth and bathe by candlelight. The light bounced off the mirrors, making the bathroom, for once, the brightest room in the house. In our bedrooms, we piled under blankets and read ourselves to sleep by the flickering flames. Outside, our neighborhood descended into darkness at twilight. But if I stared hard enough at windows blurred with ice, I could just make out little dancing lights. Decades later, no one in my family remembers what we talked about or ate or how we spent our afternoons that week, but we all remember the candles. I've since settled in California, and last January, events in the world left me with a hunger for silence. I adopted a strict information diet, no television news or social media. One evening, I didn't even bother to flick on the lights in my apartment. I walked quietly to the window and watched the last of the day, the darkness swallowing the trees along my street. Instinctively, I went looking for a book of matches in the back of the kitchen junk drawer. Opening a closet, I felt around until I discovered the remnant of a housewarming gift, a milk-white candle. I struck a match and lit the dusty wick. I commandeered a plate from the cupboard and set it on my coffee table. I nestled in a blanket, listening to the wind in the courtyard. Eventually, for the first time in too many days, I found myself surrendering to sleep. That was the start of a practice I've taken to calling candle hour. An hour before I go to bed, I turn off all my devices for the night. I hit the lights. I light a candle, or two or three, enough to read a book by, or to just sit and stare at the flame, which, by drawing oxygen, reminds me I need to breathe too. I surround myself with scents and objects I like, some fresh rosemary plucked from a neighbor's bush, a jar of redwood seed pods. I have a journal ready, but I don't pressure myself to write in it. Candle hour doesn't even need to last a full hour, though. Sometimes it lasts far longer. I sit until I feel an uncoupling from the chaos, or until the candle burns all the way down, or sometimes both. Candle hour has become a soul-level bulwark against so many different kinds of darkness. I feel myself slipping not just out of my day, but out of time itself, I shunt aside outrages and anxieties. I find the less conditional, more indomitable version of myself. It's that version I send into my dreams. At night, by candlelight, the world feels enduring, 
ancient and slow. To sit and stare at a candle is to drop through a portal to a time when firelight was the alpha and omega of our days. We are evolved for the task of living by candlelight and maladapted to living the way we live now. Studies have noted the disruptive effects of nighttime exposure to blue spectrum light, the sort emanated by our devices on the human circadian rhythm. The screens trick us into thinking we need to stay alert because our brains register their wavelength as they would the approach of daylight. But light on the red end of the spectrum sends a much weaker signal. In the long era of fire and candlelight, our bodies were unconfused as they began to uncoil. Tonight's candlelight will cast the same glow on my Oakland walls as it did on my parents' walls in Montreal in 1998. I'll feel in my bones that the day has passed, as all days, even fearful ones, eventually do. The day's last act is cast in flickering gold. I'll watch the flame bob and let my mind wander until I realize I'm sleepy. After a while, I'll lean over and blow it out, ready now for darkness, where renewal begins. The first time I did Candle Hour was just a visceral reaction. I couldn't bring myself to turn on the light. I, I stood here by this, this door you see, I looked out through the window and I just couldn't bring myself to turn on the lights. Obviously I intended to, you know, turn them on in order to, to make dinner eventually, but I, I just needed darkness. I didn't do anything. I just wanted to stand and, and do nothing and watch the darkness swallow the street. What did it mean for you to not turn the lights on? The thing is that uh, I, you know, I have this smartphone here and I'm in a business where I have to know what's going on in the world for the most part, as much as, you know, I would love to drop out some days and I need to care and I do care. And after the election, I found myself caring a lot cared on a 24-hour basis and everything was shocking and outrageous and frightening and unknowable and I think you know for a lot of people of my political persuasion you know that there was really no other way to react it was either that or you totally check out and I think something inside me just shifted and it, it wasn't like okay, you need to care less because that's not the way I roll. It was more like maybe there's a way to get through this that doesn't involve being the best informed person in the world on a 24-hour on a basis, maybe only, you know, 12 hours a day. I do have friends who truly do not follow the news and they are much happier than I am. Uh, I am not one of those people, though. I am not a new agey hippie person at all. I thought I would write about this thing that I made up called Candle Hour, just the simple act of lighting candles because it had made such a difference for a modern 
person like me who, you know, works in news and, you know, is addicted to devices. And it's a special time when things get dark outside and you start to see yourself better. The lights, you know, are cozy and warm and it's sort of a little bit magical and feels safe, you know, to be protected. Of course, candles have long been incorporated into spiritual and religious practices. For some, the small flame is a signifier for something divine. For others, a through line to ancient times. And so I think there's a lot of ways to enact candle hour. You know, whether you're forced to deal with a power outage or you you decide to really turn off everything and either have your, your religious ritual or your secular one. Julia's candle hour is about quieting down, going inward, and renewing. For some people, bathing in the ocean is, is pure renewal, and for some people, it's staring at the stars. I think that when you go to sleep, your body is trying very hard to create a place for you to relax for a minute uh, or for however many hours and, and find some respite, find some comfort, find some renewal. And I think that darkness represents a fresh start. Obviously, the news is terrible on a regular basis. And on a given day, you might see a headline about how 2018 is going to be the first year with no Arctic ice. You know, you read on Facebook how someone's mom died. Today, there was news about how a car had plowed into a bunch of people walking down a street in Toronto and killed 10 of them. And then you have to put your head down and go to work, or you have to get behind the wheel of your car and drive home, or you have to pick your kids up from school. And how we handle all of this stuff, I think, is not discussed and kind of gets left behind. And to let yourself have your feelings can be quite scary and it can be quite challenging and I think is all the more important for it. And I don't think it's that hard to do, actually. I think that it's something that becomes accessible when you simply turn off the other things. You know, once I read about how, as we dream, our brains are simply sifting through the, the, the daily input and trying to give meaning to it. And I don't know, I think there might be some value to having a pre-dream stage where you actively sort stuff out rather than suppress it. And I think that when you do that, you might have a better sleep, for instance, and you might feel more armored, emotionally armored for for a good sleep and for, you know, potentially for a happier day tomorrow. It's just a theory. Julia graciously invited me into her home, not just to talk about this practice she calls candle hour, but also to experience it. We sat on the couch in her cozy apartment with big windows overlooking a courtyard. The light gradually dimmed until all that could be seen outside were dark shadows and scattered lights. Our attention turned inside. So let's get some candles and dim the lights. What yeah. do you think? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. 
So I don't have like a special plate of candles or anything. I just sort of see what's around. So here in the kitchen, we've got a couple of candles. One of them scented patchouli tobacco. One of them scented Ooh. lavender. Uh, which one smells good to you? Patchouli tobacco. Okay, let's try that yeah. one. It smells less. Okay. So. And I'm going to get some plates for the candles that are not inside glass because safety first. So one of the very most important things that you and I are both about to do, Vanessa, is turn off our phones, which is always an act of faith, right? That you're, you're not missing something yeah. really, really important. So I'm doing it. And... Uh, let's let's pick up a few things that we might enjoy. Um, you have good objects. Yeah, I just sort of have odd things around here. Pieces of driftwood and um, chestnuts and plants and small pieces of art and books here in my living room to contemplate. So you sometimes will just bring objects over that to like... Yeah, or maybe I'll just spend some time looking at them. I like this. Yeah, this is... Um, this is a piece of driftwood I picked up. I don't even remember where, somewhere in California. I like charismatic driftwood. Yeah, I do too. Then I've got books. Sometimes I take a book off the shelf. If I have enough candlelight, I can read. So sometimes it's sitting with your own thoughts, and sometimes it's, it's okay to take in non-electronic chatter from the outside world. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's whatever you feel like. It's, there's no rules for candle hour. The only thing is, step one is you turn off your devices and turn off the lights or turn them down. Step two is you light a candle or more than one candle and then you do whatever you feel like. Read, play music, meditate, write in your journal, sit and stare at the flame, make love to someone, um, make love to yourself. <laughs> Just, you know. It's so obvious and it's so accessible but it's not something that i remember to do well here it is yeah. it's it's here to remind you and it's always been there it'll always be there you know and i'm not a perfect person in observing this ritual you know there's plenty of nights when i i can't don't don't want to do candle hour you know and yeah. i'm but it's uh i enjoy it when i do it and it i do sleep better always 100 percent of the time i can say that so let's give it a try. Let's do it. Let's turn off the lights. Yeah. So, and so let me feel my way over to the matches and start lighting these candles. These matches are crap, so I'm going to have to use a fresh one for the rest That's, of the candles. I like the smell when you light them, too. Oh, I know. That sulfur smell. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's a rich smell. It's 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 subtle, but but it's good. But true to form, I like it. It's not false advertising. I don't think so. Okay, good. One, two, three, four, five. We got six candles going. See how bright it is? It's pretty bright, but it's neat because like this piece of driftwood 
and in the candlelight and it's, it's got all these shadows and yeah, it already had a bunch of gnarly little kind of crevices and stuff and now there's a lot to see yeah it's suddenly a much more interesting object i mean it, it makes you want to pick it up and look at it and turn it and see what the light will do you know and, and you can almost see things like the light will make you see things like i kind of see like the silhouette of like some kind of, of fossilized lizard you know, you see that with the, yeah. the eye here and then like the tongue sticking out. I saw a dinosaur. A dinosaur, exactly. Yeah, the fossilized lizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so that's sort of fun. Plays tricks with your eyes. It's reminding me of, I think a lot, like a year ago, I was in a cabin in the woods and a really dark place. And I opened my eyes at night in bed and saw nothing. And... It was like like a warm bath for my brain. Like I don't think I'd ever opened my eyes in complete blackness and felt like this kind of, oh my God, this like soothing thing. You know, you know that feeling of awe mm-hmm. when you come out and you're in a totally rural place and you leave your tent or your car or your cabin or whatever and like there's no urban light pollution and it's just you and the stars and you'd forgotten there were so many. Yeah. That feeling of, oh my God, that awe. I, that mm-hmm. makes me think of that when you're talking about mm-hmm. like this, this feeling of, of, of comfort and like a, a, a warm blanket for your brain. Just being in a small moment that becomes really big in a, in a beautiful way. Yeah. So whatever that is. Whatever that is. Not trying to do anything it can it feels huge actually to just sit with candles and talk about the smallest thing which is which is you know this eucalyptus seed pot i mean there's there's nothing to do there's no accomplishing to be done there's there's no achievement available it's just candles and darkness and and whatever you find your mind wants to do You see how some of the candles are it's like, yeah, they're like different beings. They all have different personalities. Yeah. Some of them are very peaceful and still. You can barely discern them moving at all. And then others really almost like look like they're trying to get out of their little glass jars. Like, I'm trapped. Save me. Do you see what? I meant when you asked me what is what does it mean to have the candle breathe and in so doing remind me that I need to breathe mm-hmm. do you see how they're breathing I do I also like looking at how many different colors are inside a candle um, like like the flame you know like look at this one mm-hmm. the tip of the wick is just the very very tip is bright orange and then gets a little bit reddish and then black and then the outside of the base of the flame is is blue yeah like there's like different blues in the different it's like kind of an azure at the Mm -hmm. very bottom and then it becomes like a lighter blue and then what we're doing here is nothing we're just being Mm -hmm. and i think that's a gift we don't give ourselves very much 
Yeah, it's protecting a part of yourself and saying this is this is a valuable thing that I need to attend to, right? And remember. Yeah, yeah. I think protecting. That's a good way of putting it. Cordoning off a part of yourself for yourself. This is the me I get to keep. This is the me I get to transfer into my sleep and into my dreams. You've got to let yourself react to and acknowledge what happened today in the world. And then, you know, we're still here, you and I, and we're here on this couch in Oakland and there's a whole world out there and we'll get to it tomorrow. But just now, let it just be us. Let this just be for us. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Thank you to P.F. Candle Co. for supporting Nocturne. I loved sharing Candle Hour with Julia Scott, and I felt inspired to incorporate the ritual into my life. And as I was making this episode, it occurred to me that while I know I have some old stinky candles of unknown origin lying around, it would be even better to be able to use special candles that I can feel good about. P.F. Candle Co. uses 100% U.S.-grown soy wax and premium fragrance oils. Their candles are cruelty-free, vegan, and phthalate-free. And the company is owned and operated by couple Kristen and Tom and their team of 31 in Los Angeles. Their candles come in cool amber glass jars and have enticing scents like teakwood and tobacco, golden coast, and amber and moss. P.F. Candle Co. is offering Nocturne listeners 20% off any of their products, by going to pfcandleco.com and using the code Nocturne at checkout. Again, that's pfcandleco.com and use the promo code Nocturne. Thank you to Julia Scott for sharing Candle Hour. You can find a link to the original article in the New York Times at our website, nocturnepodcast.org. Nocturne is produced with support from KCRW's Independent Producer Project, which provides resources to creative storytellers around the world. Nocturne is part of The Herd, a collective of audio producers creating smart and beautiful work. Find out more at theherdradio.com. Thanks for listening.